today we're going to uh, talk about something that I think is going to impact a lot of people. And actually we're going to talk about forgiving God. Forgiving God. And uh, if you want to be technical, you can because you will be right. Because there are going to be some of you who are thinking, wait a minute, we, we, we never really forgive God because God doesn't sin and God is perfect. Give me an amen. That's right. That's why we don't have to forgive God. But there are a lot of people, and probably some of you are here right now today, and you feel like God has let you down. Some things have happened in your life that you feel that God has let you down. God didn't do what, you, what he called, uh, what he could, do, could have done for you, and also God uh, allowed something to happen that you thought should have never happened. And because of things like that, all of us, all of us at some time or another, we have almost like this grudge against God that this happened that that happened in your life, that happened in my life. So I wanna dig into this. This is week three of a, a four-week series entitled Grudges, and today's message is forgiving God. We're gonna talk about it, forgiving God. So let's get into all of these things. I believe that God always, always is looking to do something supernatural in all of our lives. I believe that. Come on, give me an amen. I really do. Philippians, Philippians 6 um, Philippians 1, 6, and it says this, being confident of this, that he who had begun a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I've said this each of the weeks that I've opened it up, and I'm gonna say it again now. God is fully prepared, fully prepared to do a good, excellent, and complete work in you and me of life change. God wants to do a work of life change in every one of us. And in one way or another, we, often, we are often held captive to the things of our past. Yes, we have a tendency to carry the painful parts of our past, such as, such as uh, resentment against those who have hurt us. We also are, are thinking of our past, dealing with the mistakes that we've made, or even bitterness that we've had toward God in our years, or however long you've been following God. We've dealt with some of those things. And it's extremely important to recognize the grudges that we carry against others. This is the reason why I'm doing this. I want you to realize that not only do we have a problem with ourselves, with what we've done, poor mistakes, all of that, and what others have done for us, but even with God, even dealing with God, that at times we need to understand where we're at. And honestly, the grudges that we have with our, ourselves and how... The pain to hold on, uh, hold on to uh, weighs us down. It just weighs us down and keeps us from stepping into the freedom that God has for every single one of us. So no matter who you are, honestly, honestly, whatever it is that you're going through, let God's word, let God's word, the Bible, teach you and I, teach us to, to, uh, to, so that we can overcome our past and embrace the true forgiveness that God has for our future. No matter what may be going on, we need to tie into God, and we need to do that through his word, and we need to do that by coming together. Whether it's by a large group setting like this one or by a small group, we really need to get together. The fact is, is that life doesn't always go the way that we expect it to go. And we pray for God to help us and to guide us, but sometimes, sometimes it seems like even though we're praying in faith, we're believing God for whatever it is that we're going through. God doesn't do what we ask him to do. It just doesn't happen all the time that God will do everything we ask, and it just, it just throws us. We seek him, but we don't feel his presence. And we, decided that, we decide that we're gonna go even deeper and deeper, but yet the pain is still there. And yet our cries and relief just seem to go unanswered to God. 
and sometimes we just don't get it. And it causes us to begin to hold a grudge against him. God, where are you in my life? Where's my miracle? What do you do when you find yourself disappointed with God? What do you do when you feel like God has let you down? Now, I don't know what that may be for you. I don't know what your life circumstances and situations are, but we all have them. We're all dealing with something. Maybe it's, maybe it's the baby that you always dreamed of having, and there's still no baby. It might have been the engagement that you were praying for, and the engagement is still not here even to this day. It hasn't happened. It could have been a, a miracle that you, you believed with absolute faith that God would be able to do, and yet, and yet, God still hasn't done that for you. What do you do when you don't even, don't even want to say it out loud because you have just so much deep reverence for God, you respect God, and you don't even want to say these words out loud, but after waiting and waiting and praying and asking God, we say things like this, God, where are you? Where are you? In fact, that's sort of what I did back about three and a half years ago when my son, they were doing CPR to try to bring him back to life. It, God, where are you? Where are you in this? God, why aren't you showing up for me? Where is the miracle that I've been believing you for? And then you might even find your, yourself slightly or even a little bit more than slightly disappointed with God and maybe, maybe even angry at God and today you are holding a, a grudge. You are holding a grudge against God. And let me just say this to you. I'm not condemning you. This is understandable. We, we understand that these things happen. God doesn't answer every single prayer the second we pray it. And there's a reason for it, and it's a good reason. Because he's our father and he has a plan for each and every one of our lives. It's not that you, you don't want to trust him, because I know you really, really do. I really know that, and God knows that too. But you find yourself, find yourself being and thinking that it's just difficult to trust God right now. Because God, you could have done something, and you haven't. We're talking about when God seems to be late. We're talking about when God seems to be uh, absent. We're talking about the reality, the reality that there are many of us probably in this room right now who are waiting for God to do something. You've been praying a long time. You've asked God this. You've given it to him many times. You've given it over and over and over. And you know he can. You know he has the ability and the power to do any of that. But he's not doing it. So you wonder, God, why haven't you done something about this? Why are you making me wait? Where are you, God? Where are you? In my humble opinion, there's a, a magnificent, a remarkable story found in the Gospel of John that I believe is going to answer these questions today. I'm very excited about this. I want you to listen. Some of this is going to be a little bit deep. You're going to have to listen to this, and you're going to have to, to, to discern what God would be saying to you. So I want to share with you this remarkable story. I've got four points that I'm going to be dealing with uh, in this story, and, I'll, uh, story, and I'll, I'll make them evident to you when I'm at them. Point number one that I want to say to you is that with God, a waiting, waiting season is never a wasted season. Let me say it again. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse uh, 31, Isaiah chapter 40, 
Verse 31, it says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How many have heard that before? Come on, give me a, a wave. It's the truth of God's word. In John's gospel, chapter 11, this waiting, this waiting on God was lived out to the T of what we're talking about here today. The story is about two sisters and a brother. It's Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. I know many of you know the story inside and out, but we're gonna take it at a new level today. So don't turn me off, listen to this, because this is gonna help you and I when we're going through the struggles that we go through of understanding God. If you didn't grow up in the church, you probably wouldn't understand and you probably definitely wouldn't know that Mary and Martha, these three, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they were very close friends of Jesus. They were more than an acquaintance. They were very close friends of Jesus. And they were tight. They had meals together. They spent a lot of time together. And actually, Luke's gospel talks about this as well. Not just over here in John, but also in Luke's gospel, he talks about Martha and Mary and, and Lazarus as well. And in fact, Martha, she's my favorite, one of my favorites. Uh, Martha reminds me a lot of my wife, Marianne. I just love this. What I mean by all of that is, is that Marianne, she's, you may not know this, and you can't come to my house now, but she's an amazing cook. She really is. She makes the meals like you wouldn't believe, and she also bakes like you wouldn't believe as well. I'm on a diet, and she made me for Valentine's Day a big chocolate cake with white frosting on it. And I know that doesn't sound too good, but if you were to have a piece when I had it, when it was warm, it would be like I'm in heaven right now. This is too good to be true. Well, anyhow, what, what I mean by saying that Marianne is so much like Martha is this. So whether it's a meal just for me, you know, we have an empty house now. We, we've had an empty house for a number of years. Our kids are all married and gone. And uh, so whether the meal is just for me or when the kids come, when the kids come with the grandkids, or even if special guests do stop by and we would love to have you come to our house when you want, but you got to make an appointment. Don't you dare just show up. But anyhow, <laughs> Marianne always gives 110% when she does this work. When she does, when she cooks and bakes and does all that, she, she gives 110%. And although uh, it's a bit more funny with Martha than what I was just saying, Martha is wigging out. She's wigging out right now because for her, as she's preparing a meal for Jesus and her brother and sister, uh, she, she wants it to be perfect. And uh, Martha's sister, Mary, is just chilling. I mean, she's doing nothing. She's just caught up with Jesus. She's there speaking. And listen to what Martha says. Martha says this to Jesus. This is really funny. He, he says, Jesus, tell Mary to do something. She's not helping me out. She's not helping me whatsoever with this meal. Just tell her to do something. And Jesus responds back in Luke chapter 10. I love this. This is great. Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 40. But Martha was distracted <coughs> with much serving. And she approached him, approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, why don't you think that's funny? It's like, here's this grown woman with the son of God in the room and she's tattletaling. Tell her to help me. And I love what Jesus said. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You know what? Jesus has said to me, Randy, Randy, so many times. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. You're a little cuckoo. But anyhow, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part. And listen to this, which will not be taken away. In other words, Jesus said, no. I'm not going to tell her to stop 
being with me and loving me and wanting to hear anything I've got this. No, I'm not going to do that. And I love that too because that's what God would want to do with each and every one of us. The point I'm reading this part of this story is because I want you to see that Jesus, Mary, Jesus, Martha, and Mary, and Lazarus, they are really a close family. They are all tight along with the Son of God. They are really tight in on this. And down the road a little bit, some of us know this, but down the road a little bit, Lazarus, the brother, gets really sick, really sick. And of course, they totally and completely are expected that, that Jesus would do for them like Jesus would do for any strangers that are around, and that is he would heal him. He would heal their brother, Lazarus. Jesus would do the same thing for us, right, is what they said. I mean, after all, our brother is sick, and, and I, I'm just sure that Jesus is going to show up for us. Go with me to John chapter 11, verse 1. And it says these words, verse 1. <clears throat> Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. Let me stop right there. A man named Lazarus was sick, and he really was sick. And, and it goes on to say in verse 3, it says these words, uh, so the sisters sent word to Jesus and said, Lord, the one you love is sick. The one you love is sick. Now, I'm telling you about this part because I want, you, I want to go a little bit deeper with you to understand how close these people really are with one another. The one that you love is sick. So take a look at how close and how intimate they are with the Son of God. They didn't even say the name Lazarus. They didn't say the name of Lazarus who was sick. They just simply said, the one that you love is sick. In other words, your buddy, your best friend is the one, is the one who is sick. Now, Martha and, and, uh, Martha and Mary, uh, they're, they're certain. They're certain that we've got this is what they're saying. I know we were a little bit worried in the beginning of all of this because when Lazarus got sick, he was really sick. It was, it was pretty gross and it was pretty violent with what he was going through. We were a little bit nervous about it. But Jesus is healing all of these people. And by the way, just so you know, telling us the story, Mary, uh, Martha would be saying to us, just so you know, Jesus is a part of our life group. I mean, he comes over every Monday night at about 630 and we have life group to, together. We're doing life together with the Son of God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? And, uh, and, she sa and, and they say, um, and she says, Jesus has been in our home often, very, very many times. So listen, Jesus is going to come back, is what they're saying. Everything is going to be fine. Trust me, is what she is saying to her sister and her brother. We just need to trust that God is going to show up. So they wait, and Jesus doesn't show up. The next day comes by, and today he's not there yet either. And still, there is no Jesus who has showed up. I know that Jesus is coming. He's, he's going to be here by lunchtime, a little, little bit later today. I, I know that he's going to show up. The next even, evening even go, comes and goes, and they begin to talk like this. I can't believe it. I can't believe that he's not here. I can't believe that he hasn't come yet. I don't know what's going on. Then the next evening comes and goes by and they realize that what they're asking for and what they're believing for is not happening and it probably is not going to happen. In other words, we know that he's, he's coming. We know and we believe in faith that he will be there. Now, I don't know what you go through when you deal with that. When you're dealing with something that you need God to intervene on your behalf. For Randy Chiz, when things like this happen, I, I begin to do something that I've done for many, many years following God. I start reminding God 
The Bible tells us that we can remind God. There's a scripture about that, and I can show it to you sometime, but I'm not going to do it now. But I start reminding God why he should do what I want him to do right now. I will say to God, listen, I'm your son. I've given my life to you. You've done things like this for, other, for others who don't even believe in you. You've brought healing and recovery. You brought it back. I've served you for nearly four decades of my life, God. God, what are you waiting for? Why aren't you bringing the healing and the recovery? Second point I want to talk to you about that I want you to hang on to for a minute is, with God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. A waiting season is never a wasted season. For those of you who are waiting right now, who are praying for something, you are believing in faith for something from God because, you're, because you have faith that God can do it, but for whatever the reason is, he's not doing it right now. I want to give you two things to, to remember in these points. I want you to remember these two things that I hope will build your faith in the middle of your waiting season because you're going to get one. We all have at least one probably many more, many, many more than once waiting season in our lives. But I wanna, I wanna talk to you about that today. I want, uh, th that will build your faith in the middle of your waiting season. The first thing is this, the first thing is this, is that God's delays are not, are not necessarily God's denials. God's delays to your prayer, to your request, are not necessarily denials. In Isaiah 41.10, this is a familiar verse to most of us in this room. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God, is what he says. God says, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So let me say it again. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Just because he hasn't done it yet doesn't mean that, that God is not going to do it later. Just because he hasn't answered your prayer right now doesn't mean that, that he's not going to answer your prayer a little bit later. In John chapter 11, go with me to verse 4. John chapter 11, verse 4. And when he, Jesus, when he heard this, when he heard this, what did he hear? The question would be, what did he hear? Well, what Jesus heard was, he heard the words coming that the one that you love is sick. That's what he heard. The one that you love is sick. In other words, in other words, his buddy, Lazarus, is sick. When Jesus heard all of this, Jesus said, the sickness that he's going to have, this is not going to end in death, is what Jesus said. Let me go a little bit deeper in verse 4. Let me read it again. And he says, when he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified, may be glorified through it. This sickness will not end in death, is what he said. Then Jesus says something that I think is very profound, unbelievably profound for me. It's almost, like, it's almost like a new category that you and I can think about when we are asking God to do some things that are absolutely incredible. Jesus says something like this. He goes, no, 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 wait, wait, wait just a moment. All this is happening right now for God's glory. What you're going through right now, my dear friend, if your prayer hasn't been answered, if God hasn't been moving, what what Jesus is telling us here is that, that uh, for God's glory, that God's son would be glorified in the midst of all of this. What is happening there? In other words, in other words, Jesus says, I know what's going on. And let me be that prophetic voice from God to you right now. God knows what's going on in your life right now. 
He knows what's going on. And he says, and I am still completely in control. And when you get to the end of the story, um, you are not only going to see that there was a purpose for what you were going through. There was something that God wanted to do through you as a result of what it is that you're going through. But you're going to see me. There was a purpose and you're going to see me, Jesus, glorified through this very thing that you never hoped would happen. In other words, the difficulty that you're dealing with, God has a plan to be glorified in the midst of all of that. And again, for Marianne and I, we've had over these last three and a half years the opportunity to take the experience that we had with the loss of our son and to somehow or another to help others. Remember, remember that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. In fact, I would want to argue that sometimes, sometimes you may even experience what I call is a divine delay. A divine delay. It's a God-ordained delay. In other words, God, God may do what you want. God may do what you want, but he's not going to do it right now because he has, he has a much bigger plan and purpose than what you and I are thinking about. In fact, I would even argue all day long with the idea that many times, many times, and let me give you the second point I want you to hear about this, this particular truth, and that is, is that God wants to do something in you before he does something for you. God wants to do something in you before he does something for you. So I would argue many times that God is looking to do a work within you and through you. In, in Psalm 34, verse 8, and it says these words, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. When you trust God, when you are putting your faith in God, he's gonna come through, he's gonna come through. God wants to do something in you before he does something for you. And in all seriousness, in my life, during the waiting seasons that I had to go through, that, that delay time, that, that, that uh, uh, divine delay that God would send my way, during some of those, those seasons of my life, um, before God does something for me, he does something in me. And some of the in me that he has done, God has given me patience. <laughs> and I don't do patience well. God teaches me to depend on him for my everything. And that's not easy for me now, as it used to be before our loss. And yet, in some of my greatest wait, uh, waiting seasons, God wants me to talk to me. He, he speaks to me and he shows me that I need to live by faith and not by sight. That I can't go by the things that I see. I have to go by the things that I believe instead of just the things that I see. And here's what I know for sure that God has said to me that he has called me to be his own. The whispers of heaven have come my way in my most darkest hours. That I am yours and I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And some of you with what you're going through, you need to hear that from God as well. You need to be pressing in to the throne of God that you may be able to hear your heavenly Father speaks to you. And here's what I know for sure, that God has saved me and has called me to be his own. He has proven to me his, uh, uh, that his ways are higher and his ways are greater than my ways, and I can trust him. And I have, uh, I have way too many stories and testimonies to share with people of the faithfulness of God with Marianne and I for the last 47 years of our marriage. God has been faithful, and if God has been faithful to you, would you please give him a round of applause because he is so good. God is so good. 
God wants to do something in you before he does something for you. And, uh, and you may experience a divine delay, but because God hasn't done it yet doesn't mean he's not going to do it. God's delays are not necessarily, are not necessarily um, God's denials. They're, it's not that at all. Time goes by. Time, go, time goes by and, uh, and Jesus is still not there. He's not arrived. Lazarus is really, really, really bad. He's going downhill very quickly. And you can just hear the girls saying, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, where are you? And Lazarus fights until his last breath. And the Bible declares to us that Lazarus dies. Lazarus dies. So where is God in all of this? Set it over there, over by where Jeremiah is right now. God, what are you doing? What are you doing, God? So where are all the, the, the things that God said that he would do for us? Where is God in the midst of all that we're going through right now? Oh, that's right. That's right, Jesus is out healing Roman soldiers who hate us and we hate them. That's what Jesus is doing right now. I mean, he's busy with other people. Instead of being busy with his, his best friend, instead of being busy with the one that he loves so much, he's out there doing that for others and not doing for us what we need. Eventually, eventually, a long time later, a long time later, Jesus finally shows up. By the time he gets there, just so you know, it's insultingly rude that he shows up at this time. They have wrapped Lazarus' body. They have wrapped his body, and his body has now been put into a tomb. That's how late Jesus is. That's how late Jesus has, has been. In fact, the body has been in the tomb now for four days. Jesus shows up on day four. He's been in the tomb for four days, is what the scriptures tell us. His body starts to decompose, right? You know that happens. NIV says by this time his body had a bad odor. Now you can take that translation and accept that, or you can take the one that I like even better, and that is you can, you can, say, uh, you can say from the original King James Version, he stinketh. I like he stinketh. I think that that's a little bit better than doing it the, the other way, saying it the other way. So Martha is really upset at this particular point. Go with me to John 11, verse 20. Mar uh, Martha is very upset. And she says, she says um, when, verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. And oh boy, did she ever meet him. She went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Mary stayed home. Look with me at verse 21. And the Lord, Lord, if you had been here. She goes, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, now listen, don't get upset with her. Don't get up, upset with me because I'm upset that my son has died before my eyes. Don't get upset with others who are going through the struggles that they're going through. We all deal with this. We're still human. We still have, though we have much faith and we believe God, we still deal with real issues of life. So that's what, the way it was. Probably Martha was really ticked. And quite frankly, I don't believe her. Excuse me, I don't, what's the next word? I, I, 
I don't blame her. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Please come up here and hold the microphone and help me whenever I need you. And I don't blame her one bit. Jesus, why didn't you come? Why didn't you come? Where were you? Lazarus is now dead. Go back to verse 21. I want to read it again. And it says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I want you to listen. Listen to this amazing statement that Martha made. Listen to what this woman who is completely out of her, her normal side of life and is thinking the fact that my brother has died because you were late. Listen to what she says in verse 22. And she says, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Amen. Can you put your mind around this thought? This is a woman who is in deep, deep grief. And I absolutely love her faith, the reality of Martha's statement. And she says this, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Whatever you ask. Jesus, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. But Jesus, I know that even now, God will give you what you ask for. In other words, Martha is tugging on the love and the heartstrings of the heavenly father in heaven. And I believe God understands that when we do that. I believe he understands that. Hey, I don't know about you as a dad, but I've done that as a dad all my life. If my kids can hit my heartstrings and I'm quick to, every now and then, I'm quick to do what they want me to do. I do that all the time for my grandchildren, but not for my regular children, my firstborn. I, you know, I, I do it for them. So let me call it like it is as I begin to close down. You're waiting on something and it's not happening. You're waiting on something and it's not happening. The financial issue seems to be getting worse rather than better month after month. You're fighting for your marriage and the harder you fight, the more she seems to be disconnected to you. And your father's cancer is not getting any better. You're waiting on something. So can I please say this to you? If God always met your expectations, this is important. If God always met your expectations, he'd never have the opportunity to exceed them. Let me say it again. If God always, every time we prayed, he would do this. If God always met your expectations, he'd never have the opportunity to exceed them. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all of my heart, with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He will direct your path. So I think I want to say it like this. This thing is called a Bible. We don't have Bibles very often in church anymore because we got these things instead. And that's fine. As long as the Bible's in it, I'm okay with it. We don't have a problem. But what I want to do is say something to you. On page 1595, 1595, on page 1595 in this Bible, at the bottom of the page, in John chapter 11, there's no hope for Lazarus. There is no hope for Lazarus. You see, it's been four days that he's been in the tomb. He stinketh, right? You know that. He's dead. It's over. It's like, Jesus, you let us down big time. You didn't show up like you show up for the others. You let us down big time. So on page 1595 in this Bible, in this Bible, 
there's no hope. But if you take this page and, and you just turn it over to page 1596, 1596, Jesus says to Martha and Mary, your brother will rise again. In 1595, back here on this page, 1595, there's no hope. But at the top of the page on 1596, verse 23 in that scripture, it says, your brother will rise again. And I love that. I love that. So let me do this with you again, because I don't think you're understanding where I'm going with all of this. The fact of the matter is, is that on page 1595, in this particular Bible, at the bottom of the page, there's no hope for Lazarus. He's dead. He's dead. He stinks. He's dead. It's over. It's like, Jesus, you let us down big time, remember? So in 1595, there's no hope. But if you turn the page like this, just turn the page, go from 1595 to 1596. In page 1596, verse 23, Jesus says, your brother is going to rise again. Simply by going from page 1595 to 1596. You still don't get it. One more time. One more time. On page 1595, I see nothing. I have no hope whatsoever. Lazarus is dead. But in 1596, the word from Jesus himself is everything can change in a moment. That's all it takes. Everything can change in a moment. Your brother will rise again, and that's how quickly God can move in your situation. From one page to the next page is all that you need to see and all that you need to understand. In other words, we believe that what they were saying to, him, to Jesus was, <clears throat> I know he's going to rise again in the last day. In other words, we believe that one day, one day, the trumpet's going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise from the graves and we'll be called up together to be with the Lord forever in heaven. And Martha said to Jesus, she says, I believe that and I know that to be true. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You, you, you don't really understand this yet. All that's been happening with all of this, you need to understand. Jesus says, but I'm going to be glorified. I'm going to be glorified through this that is taking place in your life. You thought that what you wanted was best, but I had something better in mind. What you need to understand is, is that I am the resurrection and I am the life. <clears throat> and the one who believes in me will live forever and shall never, ever die. If you believe in the Son of God, you will never, ever die. So Jesus says... You need to understand this. You need to understand this. I am the resurrection and with me, death no longer has the final say. Death is not the end of the game. Through me, you see when I died for your sins and you put your faith in me at some time in your life, even, even though your physical body will die, you will not have to die. Your physical body will die, but who you are is going to live on forever with a new body someday in heaven. You can live with God forever in heaven because Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. If God always met every one of your expectations, he could never ever have the chance to exceed them. 
Mary and Martha expected a healing, but Jesus planned a resurrection. Mary and Martha were looking for certain things. They, they wanted something good, but Jesus had a far better plan than what those two sisters had. I don't know who you are today, but I know that I have been told to come here by God himself to tell somebody here that you're wanting something. You're praying for something over and over and over again. And if you got that something, my friend, I want to tell you the truth. If you got that something, it would not be as good as what God has planned for you. I'm challenging you instead of Instead of going for the second rated thing that you continue on to press into God for the number one thing that he would want to do in your life. Jesus is standing outside the tomb and Jesus says, roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. And it says in John chapter 11, 43, when Jesus had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. And the scriptures declare over and over again that the dead man came out. And can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? God did not give them what they expected, but God exceeded their expectations. Would you stand with me to your feet? Stand with me to your feet, please. And it says these words in the scriptures, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. Whatever it is for you, God wants you to trust him all the way through this. Put your faith in God. Don't have grudges. Don't hold a grudge against God. Don't hold a grudge against the church. Don't hold a grudge against other believers who are praying and believing for a miracle. I'm going to ask if you would please bow your heads and close your eyes very quickly just for a moment. I'm going to let you out of here in about a minute. If you're here today and you've not yet given your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that. I'm not asking you to join Word of Life Church. If you want to join Word of Life Church, you can go to one of our, our, our Life Path sessions and you can be a part of that. But what I'm asking you to do right now today is that maybe you should give your life to Jesus. This is a serious thing. So with heads bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to pray a quick, simple prayer. And if you pray this prayer with me, you're not praying for the church. You're praying for yourself to find and to know and to live for Jesus. So I'm going to pray this simple prayer. I did this way back in 1971 when I was 16 years old and God changed my life forever and I know he'll do the same for you. So with your heads bowed and eyes closed for privacy, if you would pray this prayer with me, you can pray it aloud, you can whisper it, or you can just move your lips. But say this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I thank you that you died for me. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins because I believe in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please keep your heads bowed. Please keep your heads bowed. If you're here today and you prayed that simple prayer with me, maybe you didn't say it out loud, it's okay. Whispered it, maybe moved your lips, whatever it is. As long as you talk to God. If you prayed that for the first time, would you just hold up your hand? I'm not gonna call you forward. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just wanna thank you for making that decision today. If you're here, just give me that wave. Just give me a quick wave over here, over here, on this side, over here. Give me a quick wave, my left side, give me a pray. The big center group. Give me a prayer. Thank you. I thank you for that. Anybody else? Over here to my right side. Give me a big wave. Down here on the front. Thank you. Or are there any others on my right side? You pray this prayer. Father God, I thank you today. I thank you that, Lord, you have made yourself known. That, Lord, we can trust you. That, God, you have a way. Your way is greater than our ways. And we trust in you. 
I pray today, God, that you will bless all who attend Word of Life. I pray for your blessing and provision, protection on each of them, meet every need. And God, would you please, in the midst of this grudge series, would you please be the one who will always get us through to the, to the other side of your plans for our lives? I ask you this in Jesus' name. Before you leave out of here, I want you to know that over here, Alicia is here to take your name and phone number, and then you can leave if you're interested in having what we call a learning to follow Jesus. It's a one-on-one spiritual coaching opportunity, and you can do that. And don't forget also to sign up for a life group. As you walk out of here, this is a great time. I want everybody to do this. If you would please sign up, I think your whole life is going to change before you. God bless you. If you would like prayer for anything, these, these intercessors are here to pray for you. You can come down at any time, and they're here to wait, and they will pray for you. God bless you. Go ahead and have a wonderful day today. Thank you for being at Word of Life.